You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, is Jim. How's it going, Corey? <laughs> it's going good. But sadly, we're still missing a Chuckster. Now, we do have a blinking light on the message machine, and it does have his familiar stank on it. So maybe we <laughs> will hear from him a little later in the show today. But uh, we, we are fairly confident that he will be rejoining us on the next one. So for all of you out there who are in the Charles fan club, you won't have to wait long before your uh, pretty boy returns. You know, there there's something to say about familiar stank. You ever uh, borrowed like a hat or a shirt from someone or, or something and you're like, that smells like their house. Never. I don't ever borrow anything. <laughs> if, if, if anything had the potential to have a familiar stank on it, I feel like I don't, I don't want to touch that thing and I certainly don't want to borrow it. I remember one time... Uh, Scott came over to my house and he walked in my room and he was like, this room smells like one big giant gym. <laughs> and he was talking about me, Jim, not the yeah, GYM or, or the, or a slim gym. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's gross. So and, Charles uh, has some familiar stank. He just don't know about it. You know, when I think about familiar stanks in our house, we have what we call the old lady ghost. There, you know that that smell that you get when you walk into like a real, like an old person's house. It's like a very musty. Everything's old. Maybe everything in the refrigerator like is expired. Moth kind of balls a smell. and cedar. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a smell like that that travels around in our house, and you'll find it at different <laughs> places at different times. Like one time it'll be in front of like the bay window in the dining room, and the other time it'll be in front of the TV in the living room, and it just like it moves around. And I'm like, oh gosh, I just walked through the old lady ghost, and like everybody knows what I'm talking about because that's, we that's smell it. Like, like what the heck is that? <laughs> I have no idea. So. Anyway, but you know, this is the second time that you and I have been together this week because it seems like we just did this. We sat down on Tuesday to record an episode of Trinity Continuum Airwaves together. And if any of you out there are fans of the Trinity Continuum games and you haven't heard our other show, Trinity Continuum Airwaves, go ahead and check that out. Jim was a guest on that show this week. Normally it's just me talking for about 10 to 20 minutes, but uh, he joined me this week. So because he's getting into it too with the Trinity Continuum continuum ether kickstarter that they got going on right now so yeah and on the whole podcasting uh producing content front i will say that i'm sitting fairly close to something that came in the mail this week a package arrived that has been a long time coming and that is an enormous green screen now i don't know what a green screen could be used for in podcasting but i do know other things it could be used for and so i will just say i did a test with it and it works phenomenally it's just like a magic cloth that makes you appear somewhere else so anywho uh you may you may see some some content for from the deliberative podcast in places other than audio very soon so just kind of want to hang that out there i don't like to over promise and under deliver but uh we we are making some some moves in that direction so you might see something coming down the pipe here pretty soon keep your keep your eyes peeled for some of that and we'll certainly let you know if any of that shows up but anyway i feel like it's probably about time to talk about the news So news this week's pre- it's been pretty pretty slow news uh, exalted news season really with uh, after we finished the exigence Kickstarter there's just been almost nothing other than pretty pretty quick movement of siderials through all the different parts of the development process it is right now in the manuscript approval phase so it's it's touched another milestone there and i'm sure paradox probably won't take long to turn that back around and then it'll get into the uh, the slew of despond as john bunyan would have said in the pilgrim's <laughs> progress the, which is art direction so um that usually takes a really long time 
But uh, anyway, Sidereal's moving along. That is good news. Can't wait to see that. You know what I, I really want to see now, though, is I want to see Abyssals hit the first draft. I think that would be super exciting to have, you know, them sort of racing e- each other down that list, knowing that those two are both in the works. I mean, we do know that Abyssals is in the works, but, you know, if we saw it hit the schedule as well, that would probably be the most, like, I don't think we've ever really seen that before, have we? I don't think we've mm. ever seen two exalted third edition big splat books racing down the racing down the road at the same time. I'm trying to think D- Dragon Blood and Lunars, you know, they were fairly close. Yeah, but yeah, they, they were a couple of months apart. But and I guess technically we do have Exigence still on the list. So, I, you know, Exigence and Sidereals are technically, you know, both on there. Yeah, so there'd be three books. Yeah. <laughs> it would be three big splats racing down that, that now that's definitely something we've not seen so that would be pretty stinking cool and speaking of exigence you know we don't we still don't have the collected edition of the manuscript yet that normally comes out a little bit after the finish of the crowdfunding campaign and we still haven't seen that but we did get an email is well with this recording at the time of this recording it was yesterday got an email from indiegogo saying that uh or i guess it's from from james bell who sent it out via indiegogo that the backer kit would be coming out very soon would be getting started there would be a backer survey sent to everybody and a part of that would be the collected edition of the exigence manuscript so nice i mean we've already read all that but still it's nice to have it all in one big fat pdf and boy that will be a fat pdf won't it that's gonna, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's gonna be a lot of pages so looking forward to that development as well but other than that not really much on the exalted front so just got those things in the pipeline we're looking forward to seeing those but this week we have a discussion about a topic that is sort of omnipresent in all exalted games some maybe more than others Uh, We want to talk this week about the idea of limit break and limit triggers and the great curse and all of that stuff that goes along with it. So we've actually been getting into a new dragon blooded game on our play by post site that we run. And this time Jim is the storyteller for that game and I am one of the players. And so as I've created a dragon blood, I almost never play in these games. I always run them. So thinking about it from the other direction is, is very different. You know, it's, it's a refreshing change of pace. And so I'm thinking about my character. He is an air aspect who kind of wants to be a wood aspect, but looking at the great curse portion of the book, we see that an air aspect, the dragon blood, kind of they struggle with things like pride in their accomplishments and in their wisdom and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. And so I really, I really pushed him in that direction and uh, so just Corey, dove let me, in. Let me stop you right there for just a second. Oh, okay. Let, let's 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 dive into what the great curse is. And, you know, just in case we have someone who's not familiar with all the the lore of exalted and all the little knickknacks and some people don't even play with this uh for right. this portion of the game because and, and we may even get into reasons why uh when we have our discussion today but basically we know that the enemies of the gods or the ancients however you want to you want to say that when we want to say that primordials <laughs> <laughs> you'll never let that go so when the gods exalted their champions and had them take on their enemies, when the enemies fell, the gods foresaw that there was probably going to be like a pronounced curse and they protected themselves like the unconquered sun and Luna and all those, those big wigs they're, they're protected, but their chosen were left unprotected. So, this curse that the enemies have placed on the exalted manifests itself, you know, and that's the whole reason why the solars went corrupt and the dragon blood ended up overthrowing them. So this curse, um, it manifests itself in all the exalts. No one is free from it, but it, 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 it manifests itself differently with the celestial exalted and the terrestrial exalted 
like yeah it's and not... the, the curse itself is really just like i mean i i mean maybe this comes from my background uh you know as a as a preacher and all this kind of stuff but i mean i i see this as like it's 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 like sin <laughs> it's it's uh i mean that's sort of what it is it's like this is this this is the curse uh that we, that you see in the bible almost like with adam and eve and they're and they're cursed uh the ground is cursed so this curse like it, it affects the various exalts with a taint that uh not that kind of taint with <laughs> with a taint <laughs> that uh that they they can't help but like sort of devolve into evil uh as they go so this is this really is like the primordial curse of sin that Adam and Eve bring on the world, where well, we're like, now they're all how, of their how progeny. How dare you? How dare you uh, go against the creators of everything? Which that's right. kind of what the primordials are. They create right. everything. So it is. It's an actual like there is a mechanical way of describing the fact that your character. Uh, feels the effect of this curse but that that mechanical effect is different between whether you're a celestial exalt or a terrestrial exalt so you were talking about that go ahead and what so keep keep going what you were saying there i'm sorry didn't mean to interrupt too bad there (laughs) well basically let's let's kind of break this up a little bit the uh what we have now we have the uh solars we have the lunars and Mm -hmm. we have dragon blood and mm-hmm. exigents are on the way. But yep. the two celestial exalts we have, uh, solars and lunars, they have uh, a mechanic called limit, where what it does is you use this limit to kind of keep track to how close you are to like the breaking point where that... Yeah, the, snapping. Uh, yeah, the, the curse manifests itself. So anytime you go against a major intimacy, a defining intimacy you roll dice to see how many points the limit you get. And the number of dice is based on whether it's a, a major defining intimacy. Yeah, but you one if it's have, major, two if it's defined. Yeah, correct. So we yeah. also have these things called limit triggers. And basically that is chosen by the player at character creation. And there, some of the examples are, you know, someone insults uh, the uh, or deliberately frustrates the lunar. Or the lunar offers advice or wisdom, but it is not heeded. And I think my lunar is uh, uh, witnessing public public shaming of the weak, or mm-hmm. public shaming of the weak, something along those lines. Yeah. Well, when when this happens, then you roll three dice, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then any successes are translated as points a limit. Once you hit ten points a limit, then the storyteller picks how that curse manifests itself right in your character and you know there's a list of different ones you could pick but you know you you would want to pick something that is um appropriate to the scene exactly maybe exactly appropriate yeah, that's to what, the scene that's what I'm always looking for as a storyteller it's like you know how is this going to interact with the current scene that you're in you know if you're in a an orphanage at the time and you pick the one that makes you go bananas and kill everybody <laughs> around you <laughs> that's going to well, be very different than the one that just makes you sit down and, and weep and a couple of the examples is like all-consuming grief uh right. then you have like the berserker anger which is like that's like my default like i'm going to rage right. out you know because I, yeah. I hit my 10 points of limit but then there's things like compassionate martyr martyrdom where you know right. you just can't help but like i, I guess it's kind of like a penance like you feel yeah, so bad that you take you're, it all on yourself yeah you know? they, uh and then doubt but the lunars have a cool uh way that it manifests itself with these monstrous urges mm-hmm. um yeah so there's are they're they're similar to the solars but they kind of have their lunar flavor on it yeah but, monster surges versus virtue flaw i think solars are just called virtue flaw but uh, I'm going to let you take it over when we start talking about the dragon blood. Yeah, because the dragon bloods yeah. are phenomenally different than that. They are also affected by the great curse, but it does not manifest itself in this limit track of 10 points that you're accruing until you snap. And there is no monster surge or virtue flaw that sets you off on this, you know, horrible rampage or whatever kind of a thing. Instead, 
dragon bloods and not just dragon bloods but really all terrestrial exalts they well i guess that's not exactly true i think there was a couple of there maybe there was a terrestrial exalt in the uh, exigence book that did have a limit track but for the most part it's sort of it's sort of divided fairly evenly between celestials on one hand with a limit track limit triggers and this uh limit break and then terrestrials on the other hand where the expression of the great curse is a role-playing thing that you do as a player during a session you play out the effects of the great curse and if you do you will get an aspect bonus which is an extra two points of xp at the end of the session and so this is for 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 terrestrials and dragon bloods specifically this is a you are you are incentivized to play out this great curse by handing you some experience if you do it and as i'm thinking about my character i am reveling in it the writers do put sort of a uh, a hedge around this by saying make sure that this behavior is something that brings fun to the table and doesn't just annoy everybody and i and i appreciate that <laughs> because yeah. you know it could certainly go that way but uh but yeah you you want to play out the effects of the great curse so that you get two extra experience points now there are other ways to earn an aspect bonus besides playing out the great curse but i do think that that is that that's that's pretty interesting that there is an that there is an actual XP incentivization for playing out the effects of the Great Curse. There is nothing like that on the celestial side of the spectrum. The Great Curse for them is deleterious always. Like they, you know, you 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 actually kind of want to keep that from happening. You don't want to roll your limit trigger. You don't want to go against your intimacies because you really don't want to have this limit break. You do in one sense. I mean, all groups kind of do want that to happen. Players, you know, like, man, I would actually really like to go through a limit break. I think that'd be kind of cool, you know. So we do sort of want it to happen, but we want it to happen for role-playing reasons, not because, like, there's some XP maybe attached to it. Now, Corey, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, most of the time, when I make a solar or a lunar, I try to pick something that I don't think would really ever come up, so I don't have to worry right. about the limit because right. I don't want to have to like dance around that. But if I if I was incentivized to make it a part of my character, and I was like awarded, you know, let's say. Hey, I get a couple extra experience points. It cost me a couple of rolls to see if I got limit and maybe I got limit. Maybe I didn't. It's kind of, it, it almost makes it like a fun little thing at the table. Like yeah. I'm going to gamble here yeah. with my, well, you know, here, here's some limit that I'm willing to wager to get these experience points right. and it makes it fun and part of the thing. And you're like, well, you know what? If I break, I break, but we'll, we can make this fun and cool and part of the story. But right. The way it's set up now, you kind of avoid it. It's like, I just yeah. don't even want to deal with it. You absolutely avoid it. Almost every player I've ever had in an Exalted game is doing everything they can to avoid the limit. I mean, clearly you're setting up your intimacies in such a way that you don't want to go against them. You know, if 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 Joe Blow over here is my best friend, then I don't want to act against Joe Blow. I mean, I've got a major defining intimacy to him, so why in the world am I going to act against that, right? You would almost have to go out of your way to act against a, one of these intimacies. And then when you have limit triggers, so here's here's another just kind of odd thing about the way the limit triggers are set up in the core book. Uh, they are, the, the examples that are given are of two different varieties. There are the, there are the kind of limit triggers that you could pick. Now, again, we're talking just about celestials here, you know, cause the dragon bloods don't have all this stuff, but you could pick a limit trigger that is very personal. Like whenever my character drinks himself, uh, silly with, you know, just like drinks himself under the table or something like that, that could be like a limit trigger. So in other words, one type of limit trigger is something that your character is causing by their actions in the game. And then another type of example that you have, there are things that happen to your character. I just on the top of my mind, cause I was looking at it again last night is straw maiden Janice. One of her example limit triggers could be if someone attacks one of the communities that she's protecting well that's not something controlled by the player that is something that is controlled by the storyteller 
So I think that there's a little bit of uh, schizophrenia here when it comes to how this, this limit works in celestial stuff, because is it, am I doing it or is the storyteller doing it to me? Because I know I have a care, I have a player in, in my game that I'm running right now called coming of age, my own daughter, actually, she plays a lunar in that game whose limit trigger is if anybody insults her appearance, well, who's going to insult her appearance, not the player. But the storyteller, not probably not the other players, unless they no. wanted to. I hate unless that, they. That sounds like a cool idea. <laughs> you just <laughs> constantly force her to lo- roll her limit trigger. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about three dice, so this is like limit triggers are way more powerful than than simply going against a major or defining intimacy. You know, you go against a major intimacy, like your maybe even your like spouse or something that you're only rolling one die to see if you gain limit. But if like, you know, you have a situation like my daughter has where it's like somebody insults my appearance. So if the storyteller just decides as you're walking through town to have a little boy walk up and go, gee, lady, you're sure ugly. Then like, boom, you've got to roll three, (laughs) three limit trigger dice, you know, which is three times more than if you would have like, uh, knifed your best friend in the back. So anyway, (laughs) what I'm saying is mechanically, when you get to something like limit trigger, which causes you to roll three dice, so many of those limit triggers are controlled by the storyteller, which means the storyteller can push these buttons. I mean, I can have just every character that meets my daughter's character just be like, oh, what an ugly you are, whatever. And and she's going to be marched to 10 limit in no time flat. Whereas somebody else who's crafting their character who really doesn't want to deal with this is like, you know, anytime I see a bird die in front of me during a solar eclipse or something, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, then you're like, okay, well, you're, you're just never going to gain any limit then, I guess. So, I mean, think of how different that is from what the terrestrials over here are doing where they want to, they want to express the great curse. I mean, it gives them experience points and it also just kind of gives them a neat little angle to their character. So there is a there is a massive gulf between the way celestial exalts and terrestrial exalts handle this whole great curse thing. So I guess my question here is I I as a player enjoy the dragon-blooded way of doing it more so than what I have seen of the solar and lunar way of doing it. I feel like it brings like the great curse is much more it intersects the story a lot more. It gives you opportunities for role play a lot more and is not something that you are looking to avoid. But at the same time, I really like the limit break things that can potentially happen to solars and lunars. And I'm disappointed that there's not a limit track for dragon bloods that has a similar yet lessened effect because that is kind of a cool ticking time bomb that can go off at any moment and provide a very interesting play session, right? So, I, I mean, how do we take it if we wanted to like if we wanted to say redo this part of the game how could we take the cool parts of the celestial great curse which is the limit track and the limit break and the cool parts of the terrestrial way of doing things which is the incorporated into your role playing in order to get experience points and put those two things together in in a in a way that makes sense and that is a lot of fun so i was thinking you know don't get rid of the limit track the limit triggers keep that stuff but Mm -hmm. offer some kind of a reward and 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 here's what i was thinking because you do have a little bit of a difference between uh dragon bloods and the celestials so if you did not have any kind of a tracking system on the dragon blood, the dragon blood just stayed the way they were. Mm-hmm. But on the celestial, since they have this limit trigger tracking that's going on, but when they, whenever they do that at the end of uh, the session, they could substitute that, you know, for their expression bonus. Mm-hmm. Or what if they've already achieved their expression bonus and all those extras, they've already got that extra for XP. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could give them one additional or maybe even one 
additional regular that's kind of like is that too much i don't know they're they're yeah. they're willing to risk going into a limit trigger down the road because they're collecting all this limit but i think if you if you gave that experience points like like i said it's almost like going to vegas i'm willing to to risk getting some limit to get more experience points but if I do break down the road. That's going to be a fun part of the story. I mean, like I think you've mentioned yeah. it before about just the the things that happen randomly that can turn into good story things like the big beefy fighter, you know, has the guy totally lined up, going to kill him, goes for the killing blow and like botches. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then this as a storyteller, you weave that into the uh, into the story, and it can make for some fun, interesting outcomes uh, of the story. Just playing a botch, you know. It, what what was the um, Star Wars? They did the the Star Wars role playing game described Han Solo's botch when he was right. sneaking up behind the stormtrooper and he stepped on the stick, right. and it's like snap. Well, that turned into like an interesting point in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, giving some kind of reward to the the solars is is a is a thought. What do you think? So you're you're essentially, I guess, just advocating for just essentially just joining the two things uh, with like a hundred percent overlap. So you're giving them uh, an expression bonus, let's say, for playing out part of their great curse but also still tacking points on the, the the i think one of the issues though is like there's a there's a pretty big difference between role playing out something like you're always prideful uh, like an air aspect of dragon blood you know you have this like problem with pride right role playing that out and the typical ways that you gain limit with a celestial exalt which is you know going against a major defining intimacy well pride doesn't really fit there right so it would have to be somewhere in the limit trigger so if you're you know if your limit trigger is something like anytime i act pridefully well you're going to be limit breaking like all the time then <laughs> yeah so uh you know the one thing that you don't want to do here is turn the the great curse into like the star of the show right you don't want it to be like completely, you know, gangbusters with the you know, limit breaks and stuff going off all the time. You want to find some way to make that aspect of it be fairly rare, mm-hmm. but at the same time, allow for a more regular, a more regular expression of the great curse. And, and maybe a way to do that is just kind of like what you're saying, just combine the two systems. But I would say then take out the, take out the limit break or take out the limit trigger. So keep the limit uh, gain for things like going against major and defining intimacies, but just drop the trigger and instead, you know, pick something that would be similar to like what a dragon blood has where it's like, Oh, well, like for instance, with, uh, with, and maybe you could base it off of virtue flaws and monstrous urges. Right. So with a lunar, if you have like the one where you get all sad and depressed, uh, you, you mentioned it earlier. I can't think of the name of it right now. But, um, oh, all-consuming grief. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you think about something like all-consuming grief. You know, if you picked that as your your sort of, like, main way that the great curse affects you, so that during a session, you know, if you go into a period of, like, really pouring out your grief in that way, you could get your expression bonus for playing up the great curse. And then, I don't know, do you want that to, to be a limit point gain? or not part Hmm. of me says part of me says maybe but but at the same time that i think you're just going to be everybody's going to be on a fast clock to limit break and i don't think that we want to do it that way so maybe you could just keep the 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 limit triggers the way they are currently the limit triggers and the other things that gain limit and just add just you know essentially just add what the dragon blood book says like here these are some ways that the great curse affects you if you role play it out you get so in other words don't tie that to point gain keep the point gain what it currently is but give an expression bonus for oh, playing I out see the great what you're curse saying. i see what you're saying so that 
what would normally be the penalty and still could be the penalty if you're tracking limit, you know, mm-hmm. the, but one is player driven and the mm-hmm. other is storyteller driven. Like the storyteller says, no, you, you've hit your limit trigger um, or you've, you've hit 10 points of limit. Now you have to play out this scene with yeah. this. Yeah, go maximum, but, like to the max. You know, you're the, all the consuming pl- grief to the, the max. The solar player, him or herself, could say, you know, just like, you know, just went through a traumatic scene or something and then just all of a sudden had this compassionate martyrdom where uh, they you, they just can't leave until, you know, the suffering of others has been tended to. Or, right. or whatever that is and they just role play it out or berserker anger which right. that's that's always fun to yeah then that, that's pretty to, easy to role to do play too. out <laughs> yeah um, i mean i just feel like with as different as those two systems are uh you know w- they're both trying to do something very differently one's encouraging role play and one is it is is it, it wants to encourage a certain kind of role play at a very punctuated schedule like okay. like every 10 or 12 sessions or something you have this this huge moment of catharsis but i feel like those two are so different that it that, that it would really benefit the game to bring them into a little closer alignment and as i was sort of thinking about this like how in the world would would i do this i i think that there are some i think that there are some fairly good ideas in the Trinity Continuum Aberrant game, which I just finished reading through that whole book uh, like a week or two ago. And the the way that flux works and transcendence works in that game where certain things that you do add points of flux, which are kind of like points of limit, you know, that you're adding up to 10. And it, it's like overdoing it with your powers and, and uh, doing certain things in certain situations. Like it's things that a character does normally do quite a bit. Uh, they will, it'll build up this flux over time. And if it gets to 10 in aberrant, your character goes through like a, like a moment of transcendence and transformation where they actually become more alien, more, more separate from the rest of like humanity where that, that now they have a harder time connecting to normal human beings because they've moved on to like a, a higher plane of existence. Think Dr. Manhattan in, um, in in the watchman you know who just can't even relate to humanity anymore because he's like on this almost deity like plane i mean i could see something like that yeah but you know when you have like a solar that's this all-powerful being once they start tapping into their their power more and more eventually they're they're going to start looking at normal people as lesser And like, I feel like that's exactly yeah. what you see happen in the in like sort of the lore of the world is you see the solars really becoming very immoral or amoral and distant from the people that they supposedly rule over and essentially treating them like ants or slaves or something like that, right? They don't treat them as if they are all, you know, human beings. They treat them as lesser. And so, yeah, it kind of goes along with that. But what's really cool about the aberrant system is that the, they have ways of mitigating that transformation that involve like they have they have two ways of doing it. One is called grounding, where you just spend more time with humanity, and uh, and as you do that, your flux rating goes back down again. And so it doesn't like you can try to keep it from getting to ten where you hit that next level of transcendence. But then the other way is like you can form a chrysalis and emerge different on the other side and, and through transformation or whatever. And that keeps you from being, uh, hitting those transcendent levels. So anyway, they have ways of mitigating this. And that's something that I think is really cool that exalted currently doesn't really have is a way of mitigating the limit. And that may be something that if we, if we talk about like refactoring the system where, uh, you know, having a, a solar or a lunar choose to, voluntarily dive into some of this like virtue flaw or monstrous urge kind of things maybe that could be a way to sap some of those limit points off so you you would gain limit from doing things like using your powers a lot or whatever and then if you leave that unchecked it could turn into this like huge rupture sort of a thing that also really starts to distance you from the rest of people right or you you 
choose as a player to enter into this all-consuming grief or to yeah. to really let your anger out of its like off its leash and in doing so you're you're like pulling down that limit number some right, which would right. then incentivize you to do some of that kind of stuff well Corey, the power gamer in me is about to uh talk to you about the rules <laughs> as written right now okay so there is one benefit to going into a limit break yeah which is after it's over all your willpower points are restored back to their normal level. Right. So if you're yeah. burning through willpower and you're like got one or two points left or no points left, intentionally yeah. push yourself into limit break and then you've got all your willpower back. Gosh, at the it's end just of the so scene. hard to do though. <laughs> it's just so hard to push yourself into limit break. You know, especially like I said, if you're if you're like uh Strawman Janice, let's say and you picked the option that it gave you for every time your your town or village or whatever is attacked. Right. And here you are sitting in Great Forks, miles away from that village, right? Uh, you would think that if it got attacked one time, that's only one time you're rolling the limit trigger. Yeah. But here in Great Forks, you really want to you really want to refill your willpower pool, and it's like, oh, maybe I could break my limit. Well, you're not going to do it with that limit trigger. That means you're just going to have to sit there and take actions against your major defining intimacies like a crazy know, it, person. It could be it, fun. It could be fun to just say anytime someone doesn't uh, listen to my idea or, you know, like like whatever plan I come up with. Somebody says, no, nah, let's do this. Then I'm rolling yeah. on limit. And then you keep that thing close to about eight or nine. And then whenever yeah, you that need be... willpower, it's like, hey, guys, I got an idea. And you put like a stupid idea out there. And everybody's like, yeah. no, that, we're not doing that. Yeah, uh, you, you could yeah. always keep the limit up there like real close, like you said, and then just have it within like striking distance of going off. But the problem is when it goes off, now you got to deal with the limit break thing. <laughs> you know, before you, yeah, whatever it is exactly. you wanted to spend willpower on, it's and, like, well, uh, let me finish this you know, murderous rampage first, yeah. and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> murderous rampage gets all my willpower back. Yeah. Hey. So. Hey guys, yeah, I, I got my willpower subject, back. Yeah, you're subject to the uh, storyteller is the one that gets to pick how it manifests. And yeah. Yeah. So I just think, as written, it's uh, it's something that happens very rarely. When it does happen, it's it's probably a very exciting time. You know, it's it's one of those things that you, like you're looking forward to. You, like the whole time you play Exalted for that first time that a character gets to go on limit break. Like, well, we, we read about this. They devoted like serious pages and paragraphs yeah. and word count yeah, of the book to pages. it. But it's been years playing Exalted, and I haven't seen one yet. But now I finally get to do it, and it's like you know, uh, I just think it would be cool to. And I, I think know. that you one time pick, you know, that whole whenever he drinks himself, you know, into drunkenness, he yeah. he that's his limit trigger. I'm like, no, that was well, that actually wasn't Gauss's limit trigger. That was his flaw. So oh, okay. back in in second edition, we could pick flaws for our character in order to give us more bonus points at character creation. Oh, and so, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I picked I that, that flaw was... for him. It would have been cool to have tied it into the to the great curse somehow, but it was just um, it was just it, it, you know. But that the, the thing was, I picked it in a min maxing way to give myself more bonus points to make that character stronger. Right. But man, I played up that flaw. Like oh, yeah. I had a, I had a blast with that flaw. I feel like flaws in third edition are a lot more, um, like they just don't benefit you the same way. You can take a flaw, but the only time you gain experience points for for using that flaw is if it somehow, it's it, it actually serves as an impediment to you and what you want to do. Right. So it actually like hurts you somehow. Then you can potentially get some points expression points or roll roll bonus points or something but anyway enough about the flaws back to the limit break and the limit triggers and all that kind of stuff uh you know we're you certainly you know coming up with a different system for all of that stuff is something that you could do as a storyteller to, to you know kind of homebrew house rule it into your own game but you know i think thinking about longer term uh you know what what could we possibly see going forward for exalted maybe in a fourth edition sometime when i'm 65 or 70 <laughs> or something like that <laughs> like you know what what can we possibly see there i do think it would be cool for them to take 
take a couple of pages from the from some of the trinity stuff i was even thinking jim as you were talking about botches earlier how uh in trinity whenever you get a botch it adds two dice to the oh uh, yeah that is a great that is a great feature yeah it's just like all your failure failures kind of like propel you forward which is uh, pretty cool. So I, I've, I've mentioned before, I think a fourth edition of Exalted done in story path rules would be pretty dang cool. And that would all just kind of add to it. But well, I do believe that Charles has also weighed in on this issue because as I said earlier, the message machine light is blinking and it do smell like the Chuck man. So <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me mash this button here. I know he loves me saying that and hear what he has to say. Hello. So, first off, I miss you guys. Uh, uh, yeah, work has been rough, so that's kept me from recording. Uh, but secondly, I was reading over the show notes, and I know you guys are talking about Limit Break and the Great Curse, which I think is one of the cooler aspects of Exalted overall. And there is a massive difference between how Dragon Blood and the Solar and Lunar Exalted approach it, where, like you said, this the dragon bloods are incentivized to seek it out and solars and lunars aren't my question is like obviously you could house rule to change that but why do you think they made it that way was it specifically because of something they wanted to play up with dragon bloods or was it that that idea just came to them and they put it in that book and maybe they would have put it in the solar book if they thought about that change earlier because reading through it, there doesn't seem to be a very obvious reason why Dragon Blooded would be so incentivized to seek it out where its solars and lunars wouldn't. Anyways, I'm looking forward to hearing the next episode, uh, and hopefully I'll be back in the studio with you guys soon. Bye, Hope. Oh, Charles, we miss <laughs> you too, buddy. Uh, can't wait to have you back on the show. You know, he 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 brings up the point that dragon bloods are definitely incentivized to seek it out, whereas solars and lunars aren't. I mean, we've talked about that. But then, you know, he asks a great question. Why do you think they made it that way? And he... I think he really gets to the to the heart of it here where he says, do, you know, do you think they wanted it that way from the start or do you think they just thought of something better later? And uh, honestly, I can't discount that last possibility. Right. It could right. be the case that they just wanted something different later. I mean, I, mean, I we, would think I would think the enemies of the gods would punish the celestials a little harder they would be a little oh, harsher yeah. it's kind of like you know when your parents come home and the house is a mess and most of it was done by your little brother but since you were the older in the house you kind of catch more of the blame so the celestials right. being who they are they're more in a prominent leadership role and probably the one you know of obviously they're the most powerful of the exalts you would think the celestials catch the majority of the curse. So, but right. like we've discussed, um, as a mechanically as playing it, we almost think it would be fun if we could reward the player some kind of way for playing it out instead of trying to avoid it. So right. that's how it ended up happening or manifesting itself in the actual game. But it does make sense that it should be like a harsher punishment, which it, it kind of is mechanically. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense from a story standpoint, too, that the dragon bloods were not as corrupt as the solars and the lunar. So so when the sidereal saw that the that the solars were going like way off kilter and they were gonna destroy everything. They co-opted the dragon bloods in order to overthrow their masters because the dragon bloods weren't as far gone. Right. And so they were able to produce an empire that actually could be remain stable without going into, you know, all these levels of megalomania and what although <laughs> the dragon bloods are definitely doing their part to kind of manifest that in the second age uh here. But um anyway, yeah, it's I, I don't know if I would say, though, that they came up with something better later. You know, you could say, well, the, the developers changed after the core book for third edition. And here comes Dragon Bloods. 
and now there's like a new system for doing it yeah but then when you get to lunars which you know these are the new developers well, they're going back to the solar way of doing things when you, you know well, yeah i know we talk about this like you know who are the real good guys and who are the real bad guys mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the solars creation wouldn't exist because the scarlet empress used a first stage weapon to save yeah. the planet, right? Or no, I guess it's not a planet. Save the, the plane. plane. <laughs> to save the plane. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, if they hadn't have left that piece of machinery there for her to be able to use, the Fae right. would have taken over. So yeah, hmm. Yeah, I mean, this the Solars are, are just they they can definitely be great heroes. They're just like supremely flawed, right. like Homelander on the boys. You know, he could do a whole lot of good, but he's doing a whole lot of bad. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway yeah you know one thing i was just i went back while you were talking there jim i, I just kind of flipped back into the uh, second edition dragon blooded book to see something and dragon bloods did have a limit track in second edition oh yeah on there. yeah yeah you could you could go into limit break so change that is a change in third edition that has not existed before And so anytime, you know, if you, if you play a lot of role-playing games or whatnot, and you watch sort of the march of mechanics across time, you know, like you, you have D and D third and then D and D 3.5 and then Pathfinder comes out and then, you know, as fourth edition D and D, and then there's Pathfinder or Starfinder comes out after Pathfinder and you start to see some of these new rules take effect and everybody really, really loves some of the new rules. And then Pathfinder second edition comes out and they, they incorporate all of those cool changes that everybody loved from Starfinder. Plus they add a whole bunch of new ideas. And then the next version of the game and the next version of the game, they're going to keep iterating on these things. Right? So I feel like with third edition, changing the way terrestrial great curse works was a was a step that was taken by the development team they moved away from the way that it's been done before into new territory players like myself are beginning to realize that this new step represents a pretty cool change and i actually like this better than doing it the old way a lot of other players probably think the same thing. And so with the next edition of the game, you may see limit completely overhauled to be a more, a, a more uniform system across all the, the exalt types. Cause right now it's very, it's very uneven and then also be more fun. I mean, yeah. you could definitely see that. So because like I said, the, the, the same kinds of, I don't know if it's the exact same people, but some of the people definitely cross over between the various game lines and so the people who wrote the aberrant rules for how flux generates and eventually, you know, turns into transcendence or whatever, those people write for the same publisher that's doing the exalted stuff. And some of these ideas do very much begin to bleed over. We definitely see a lot of story path ideas in the essence version of exalted, for example. And so, you know, in essence is going to leave its mark on exalted as well, because you had this, this different separate version that took a few steps in this direction. Some people really liked those steps, like being able to build up uh, power in combat through doing other things other than attacking. We may right. see that come back to exalted. We may see, you know, the uh, changing right, what right now we call initiative, changing that in a pre, in a future edition to something called power to kind of differentiate it from what order you go in combat and whatever. And so, you know, th- those things, all of these things have an effect on each other. And so I do feel like this decision to do dragon bloods this way with the, with the first, fat splat after the core the dragon blooded book was a huge step out of the normal way of doing things it was an experiment so to speak pushing the boundaries and now everything that comes after it is interpreted in light of it and so as new terrestrial types come out like in the exigence book they are following after the dragon blooded path of doing things without having a limit track and whatnot and as we go forward in the future, some of these things may change drastically. It, it, when, you know, we may actually see some rules about this in the Crucible of Legends storytelling companion that's going to come out. Yeah, it, yeah. it may address some of this and, and new ways to handle limit in your games. That would actually be kind of cool, especially if the developers are having these thoughts. 
if they're thinking like, oh, I really like what we did here with the terrestrial uh, Great Curse stuff. Let's give people options to do this in other ways. So definitely something that that's there to think about. It's just something to be aware of as you are uh, preparing to run an Exalted game or as you're preparing to play in an Exalted game. Be thinking about these different ways of doing limit and how that affects the story that you are telling. Because it, I know for my for my part, it affected it a lot more than I in, expected it to. Uh, but it was actually like a really, it was a welcome change. I like the way they do it with Dragon Bloods, and now I kind of want to see it done like that yeah. in all the others. But with the possibility for an awesome limit break at the same time. Because I, I, you don't want to lose that. That, like Charles said, it's one of the greatest parts of the game. Right. Yeah. It's right. one of the, one of the things that makes it cool. I just wish we'd see it a little more often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I know. So it's like, <laughs> you know, goodness gracious, how how do people have to play out there to get to where they hit limit break? Because, you know, it's like, well, I love all these things. Why am I going to act against these major and defining intimacies? I love them. Yeah, unless you just set yourself up for it. Like anytime somebody spits on me, I have to roll my limit trigger. Then the storyteller's like, you walk through town and like a hundred people spit on you. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy your limit break, sucker. Or you go to like some kind of Greek Orthodox wedding or something like that. You know, they spit on you for luck or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Or a camel and llama petting zoo. My only knowledge of that is from Big Fat Greek Wedding. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if you want to be, if you want to have your idea, what do you think about Limit Break? Let me just put it that way. What do you think about this Limit Break stuff? What do you think about all these concepts? How would you like to see it differently? Do you have a comment? Do you have a an idea that, w- that you think would add to this discussion? We would love to interact with that. And so, if you do, send us an email at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a text email. You can record your voice on like a voice recorder app on your phone and email that to us. Or we do have a new call-in number, 678-369-1041. Let me say that again, 678-369-1041. So if you have have something you want to say, call into that number if you're in the U.S. and it doesn't cost you anything. Call into that number, leave us a message. It's just an internet answering machine. If you screw it up, just call and leave another one. There's no big deal. I'll delete the first one. I won't laugh at it. We won't put it on the on the show and make you a, a laughing stock. We promise. <laughs> unless you and, want, uh, unless you want unless, us to. Yeah, unless you want us to. I, but anyway, so send us send us your your thoughts. We'd love to put you on the show. And uh, I guess Jim, that's gonna just about do it for this one. And we're gonna look forward to seeing Charles in the next one. But for now, go forth. And bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.